welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Deism was a philosophy popular two centuries ago. Their core beliefs were that God exists and created the universe, gave us the ability to reason, and was done. No need to listen to God because he wasn't talking. Don't we feel the same sometimes? Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series Hearing God in a Noisy World with the first part of this message entitled Hindrances to Hearing God which covers Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 through 22. Thank you for joining us today. Well, it was about 18 years ago, we were preparing, we were weeks out, six, seven weeks out from moving into this facility for the very first time. And I sensed the need to uh, commune with God in a closer than normal way and to spend a lot of time. There was some issues that... Uh, I was trying to wrestle through in the life of our church and how we were going to do some things. This is going to be a big new experience coming into this new location. Uh, We wanted to see God's hand come upon the ministry in even a stronger way. And so I I decided to spend about a six-week period of uh, special fasting and praying and and was uh, much into that. In fact, about five weeks into it. And I was still laboring with one issue that I was trying to figure out and was uh, working hard on it and still hadn't had the answer. And we were drawing near to our time to move in here. One night I started working on the idea and stayed up and it was about 3.15 in the morning. And it was like, man, it hit me. I saw it and I said, got it. That's it. Well, the next day I get a phone call from a lady in the church and not someone that I would be so close to that I would expect to get a phone call. I'm sure the first time I'd ever heard from this lady. And she called me and she said, uh, I'm curious to know if, uh, if anything unusual is going on with you right now. And I said, I don't understand. What are you talking about? She said, well, uh, this has never happened to me, but last night about three in the morning, I was awakened with a sense that urgency that I had to pray for you. I didn't want to disturb my husband, and so I got out of the bed and I went into the living room only to realize that my husband had not been in bed. He was in the living room. And I said, what in the world are you doing up at, at this time of the morning, three in the morning? And he said, it's the weirdest thing. I just had a sense that I had to get up and pray for Randy for some reason. And uh, knowing him, that would surprise me. It was not one that I would think that that would be a normative type of thing. And, I, and she said, he got up and he was praying for you as well. And we prayed there together for you, not knowing, but having a sense that God was saying something was, you were in need of some sort. I said, how interesting. She said, and that's not it. The reason I would call is not just because of that, but I had a friend who called me and said, is everything all right with Randy? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not that close. I don't see him or hear talk to him. I don't know. Why do you say? She said, I was awakened during the night as if I had to pray for him urgently for something. And I was thrilled to be able to say, you know, I, I don't want to jump to conclusion, but I'd suggest that God stirred your heart and he spoke to you about praying for me because it was at 3.15 that everything came together over something I've been laboring on and trying to figure out, and it was during the night that that actually happened for me. Those people would say God had spoken to them. It was a week later we came to the point of moving into the facility. 
And uh, all this excitement, you know, we were going to have our first Sunday morning service. And I had uh, quit fasting that night before, and I was having some stomach problems as a result of it. And I was up during the night, and I'd lost a lot of fluids and whatever, whatever. And I awakened in the morning to get up early to get ready for our first service, the exciting new service. And as I stood up, I passed out. And I fell into a piece of furniture, and uh, Carol woke up hearing me fall, and I was there, and uh, got cut pretty badly in a couple of places in my head and had to have stitches. And, and so a doctor in the church was gracious to meet us at the hospital and stitched me up. And I got here just in time and everything was fine. No, nothing was said or known about it. And that next night, that night, we had our dedication of this facility. And so in the dedication, I happened to share the story that I think God is up to something, doing something great among us. And I, I think certainly the evil would love to fight against us. I told the story. I said, who knows what was going on behind that which cannot be seen, as we talked about as a series recently, the unseen world. And I said, perhaps the, uh, the demonic world is, uh, you know, factored into this whole thing and what happened to me this morning, maybe to keep me from the, the opening of this new facility and so forth and so on. And, and so I told that story. And when it was all over, I had no less than 10 people come to me and say, I was awakened during the night to pray for you. One elder came up to me and said, did you fall at 5 a.m.? And I said, it was exactly 5 because that's when my alarm went off and when I stood up, I know it was at 5. He said, I knew it because at 5 something hit me and I said, something's wrong with Randy and I prayed for you. I think those people would all say, that God had spoken to them. Did he really? We'll know in eternity. But as Christians, I think most of us would say we believe God does speak. I know as those that are seekers here, trying to just put together the faith and understand Christianity, there's probably something in us that says, if God is God, certainly God can speak. If God is God, God can certainly do whatever he wants to among his people and any other people. So I guess we pretty much all agree God does speak. The question is, what does it mean that he speaks? I remember when I was in Iraq, I used that as an illustration last week. If you weren't here, that I'd gone to Iraq right after Saddam Hussein had been captured. And I told a little story related to that. But while I was there in Iraq, I was meeting with these pastors, and many of which had now been able to come out from underground as a church. And I was talking to Jules, and his wife, Hala, was there with me. A very broken English, but I could understand what he was saying, and he had been one who had been released right as the capture of Saddam Hussein had taken place. He was a pastor, like many pastors, that had at that time been captured. They had been put in a, uh, a prison for 30 days. It was a, a prison of torture, 30 days of constant torture, and then on the 30th day, you were executed, and that would have been his sentence. And he said he knew that was happening. There was nothing that would give him any reason otherwise. But he told me on day 21, 21, he said, something happened. God spoke to me. In that little cell jammed with people, God spoke to me. And he said, you're going to be okay. Trust me. And he said, I had a peace that came over me, though I knew that I was nine days away from my execution. On day 28 or 29, it was just a day or two left. I forget which one. He was amazingly released. All were released because Saddam had been captured. He was released. And he got back with his wife, Hala. And Hala said, 
Honey, it was on day 21 that God spoke to me, and for the first day I had peace. I had peace the whole last week that something good was going to happen. I knew because God spoke to me. Did God really speak to them? They would say he did. And again, as Christians and as those who are seekers, we'd probably say, we don't put that past God at all. So if God is a God who is speaking today, don't we want to be a people who can listen and have a sense of what God is saying? And so we're going to be looking today at hindrances to hearing God, some of the reasons that many of us don't hear God. We're going to talk next week and the following weeks on counterfeit voices that again hinder us from hearing God, but I want to specifically hit three hindrances that are very, very common. I think the most common of all that keep you and me from hearing God or believing we have heard from God. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30. As you're finding your place in Scripture, let me suggest to you that if you've got the idea that God speaking means that you hear some clear words either audibly, out loud, or you hear them in your mind, some exact specific words, please don't believe that. Though it could happen, you don't hear much of an audible voice. Some say they have heard audible voices. It's hard to hear other people saying, I heard it as well, who are outside that person. But it is possible. I've had only one or two experiences where I heard some distinctive voices. I knew no one else heard, but I sensed it was God saying specific words to me. But that's not normative at all. I can't even say it is true that that happened. But I believe it did. So please don't think that when we're talking about hearing God, that it's these messages that are coming scripted out, teletyped somehow in our brain, and we see it, we read it, we hear it. It's not that. I'm going to suggest that virtually all of the voice that God is going to speak to us is going to be found in leadings and promptings and conviction, convictions and sometimes in supernatural activities such as I just described, if those were not natural. So please don't think it's got to be something weird, strange, unusual in that, in that regard. Now, Isaiah 30, I have to give you a little background or it, it just won't make any sense as we read it. You got to understand that Israel, or let me really call it the Jewish, the people of the Jewish nation, had been divided into two segments, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was known as Judah. Now, Judah was being threatened by a country called Assyria that eventually overtook them and took them into captivity. Judah has been told by God, trust in me, obey me, follow me, listen to me, and I will certainly deliver you. I will take care of you. You don't have to worry if you will follow my way. For whatever reason, the leadership of Israel, maybe the people at large just said, can't buy it, don't trust you, don't know, but we got to find help other than just waiting and trusting in you. And there happened to be a power called Egypt that was near enough that they thought we could probably go into some sort of an agreement with them and together if we had some sort of agreement an alliance we can hold off the Assyrians God had specifically said don't do that do not go into any alliance with any nation 
That is forbidden. And they said, you know, right now, we got to take things in our own hands. Because after all, I got to take care of me. We got to take care of us. So that was the mindset. And then we come to what we have as Isaiah 30. I'm going to begin by picking up uh, in verse 15, and we'll stop, and I won't read it all at once. I'm going to just take it one piece at a time and unfold it, and then we'll find uh, our three uh, applications to this. Number one, or verse 15. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. Notice, repentance and rest, and then in quietness and trust. Four key words, repentance, rest, quietness, trust, is your strength. But you were not willing. You were not willing. Now, it's the same message today. He's saying to all of us, it's in repentance and it's in trust, it's in reliance, it's in rest. Those are the words that he says, I want you to kind of trust me in what I'm going to say to you. Uh, they did not find that to be their desire. So we come to verses 16 and 17. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Now don't, don't misread flee on horses. Yeah, we're going to be afraid and we're going to run. Uh, this really has an idea that we're going to use horse strength. We're going to use power. We're going to do what it takes to win our battles. And he says, therefore, you shall flee, meaning you will really be fleeing because it ain't going to work like you planned. And we will ride on swift horses, saying, yeah, we're gonna, we got what we need. Therefore, God says, those who pursue you shall be swift. 1,000 will flee at the threat of one man. You will flee at the threat of five until you are left as a flag on a mountaintop and as a signal on a hill. And that's a sign of defeat. It'll happen, and you're used to seeing Israel winning. You're used to seeing us go against the odds against other nations. You know the story of Joshua as he fought the Jericho battle and the battle of Ai and others, but always against smaller people, uh, I mean against great people, and then they come in and with smaller numbers. He says, it ain't going to happen that way. It's going to be just the opposite. You will eventually be defeated. Verse 18, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And he therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you, for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. And so he's saying, don't get me wrong, these things that are going to happen to you, it's not because I'm not a God that loves you, that desires to be gracious, but I am a God of justice, and I am going to have to bring justice to bear upon a people who will not trust and repent and wait the things that he's already suggested is the answer to their problems and their needs. And so then we come to verses 19 and 20. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression... He, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Notice this word, he, the Lord, has given you the bread of privation and the water of oppression. Those are terms to say, these are the hard things that have been happening to you, and who is the one who is responsible? 
God says, I'm the one that brought that. You remember last week when we talked about, you know, who, who is the one who controls all things? Who is the one who has everything as a part of his will? And how if those things we say, I don't like some of those things, but they're always the best things for you. What he's doing for his people are the same thing that you and I as parents would do for our children. If they're disobedient, we have to do hard things. And we say, no, don't do that. This is going to kill you ultimately. It's going to harm you. It's going to rob you of the best. And, and we fight for our children because we love them. In a very similar way, he's saying, I'm ready. I want to be compassionate. I want to give you the very best. I want to speak to you. In fact, look at the next verse. Next verse reads like this. Your ears will hear a word behind you. And by the way, this is as you begin to rest and repent and trust and so forth. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Now, this is, a, uh, this is the idea of... Um, well, let me read verse 21. Let, let, let me... Uh, yeah, just uh, 22. And you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, be gone. So what he's saying here is, here's what's going to happen. If you want to find my great provision and me to speak to you again, I will be like one. And he uses an, an analogy here, an image of uh, what would be called a, a type of, of animal that they have called a draft animal. It would be a, an animal that they use like a horse and the, the owner would stand behind the head of the animal and was trained and could speak to them certain words and it would go to the right or the animal would go to the left just by staying behind the ear of that animal. And he's saying, that's what I'm going to do for you. If you will just follow me as I've asked you to, then I'm going to speak and you're going to know to turn to the left. And I'll speak and you'll turn to the right. And I will guide you and direct you. It's God speaking. But he's saying, you've got to do this. You have to obey me. And you have to get rid of your graven images. King Hezekiah had made a... a declaration that the nation should get rid of all of their graven images but personally and privately people held on to them and he says when you see me speaking to you that's when you have gotten rid of your graven images so there's the story of Isaiah 30 now let me very quickly give you three expressions or hindrances that uh, we see in the scripture they're pretty simple there are these three. Number one is disobedience. Disobedience. We found in verse 16 the uh, unwillingness to do it the way God said to do it. They said, we're going to Egypt. They don't do that. You trust me. You just wait. No, can't do that. You know, the same is true for us, isn't it? I want to be married. I know what God says about the right person. I know how God describes the right person. But you know what? This person offers me way too much to listen to God. I think I'll do it my way. Or we have a broken relationship. Somebody's wronged us. Their fault. No question about it. 
We say, you know what? Let them have what they have. Let them do what they do. They're having nothing to do with me anymore. And God's word says, if someone wrongs you, go to them. Try to find reconciliation, even if they're the one wrong. Go and address it. We say, I'm not doing it that way. I know what God says. I do it the way I think is best to do it. Perhaps it's an issue of spending time, spending money. I know God says I should spend time with him. I know God says I ought to use my money this way. I, ought to get, I understand it, but you know what? I figure this out that if I want what's best for me, I got to do it my way. God says, do you want me to speak to you? Would you like to have a life where your God directs you and speaks to you? Then, then you need to obey, do it my way. And then we found also in verse 20 through 22 about, I'm sorry, in verse um, 22, the whole idea of graven images. You know what graven images are. They're, they're idols. Anything that we say we have to have in order for us to be happy. Oh, I can't be happy if I'm not married. I can't be happy if I don't have good health. I can't be happy if I'm not prosperous financially. I can't be happy if my children are not great kids. I can't be happy. Whatever it is that we say, we know now we've identified the idols of our heart. And he says, when you start saying, Lord, I want to obey your plan and I want to get rid of my idols. And you begin to do that. The voice of God begins to get loud. Be very careful for the consequences. If not twofold, you have them in your insert. Number one, we silence God verses 20 through 22. We silence God. Let me show you a verse, Psalm 66, 18 important verse. It says, if, we, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Hmm. Very important. And we miss God's best. Again, in your outline, we miss God's best. I know this. The story of my life has been when I look at some of the greatest things that I look back on today and say, wow, what God did, what a great blessing. It's those times that I uniquely listened to God when I wanted to go a different way. I think about it in terms of my career, where I was going to spend my life, what I wanted to do. I wanted so badly to go one direction, and God began to call me a different direction. And I remember wrestling. I shared a little bit of that story last week. I wrestled, surrendered. Greatest blessing I could have ever known. I didn't want to be married till I was later in life, and I fought it. And God spoke to me about that, and I knew what God's will was. I said, okay. Knew I cared and loved for Carol, but I just didn't want to get married young. God said, I knew it. And I said, okay. Could not have found a greater blessing. Many of you know the story of the $600 that came to us, and everything in me said, said uh, you got to ask for money now. you got to ask for money. And I knew God was speaking to me at that moment. I knew it saying, don't ask for money. And I thought, we just have no chance if we don't get money. He will give me money. If you've been at Taste of Perimeter, you know how God blessed this church with a story that's been told through its history because I surrendered before we sat down in that church service, if you know the story. Remember the day building. You hear that story if you come to our Taste of Perimeter. And I remember that day very clearly hearing God say, why don't you go see this man? Well, I'm an invert. I can't go meet somebody. I, I, I just go, oh, I can't do that. I can't. I said, you're supposed to do it, okay? We get our first facility. And the stories just go on and on and on. I'm telling you. 
Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So number one, disobedience. Boy, can it take away the voice of God. Anything in your life you need to be dealing with God about, do it. and Get to listen to God. All right, number two. Number two is distortions. And I'm talking here particularly distortions that have to do with hearing or understanding who God is and, and understanding uh, his, uh, his nature. Twofold, very quickly, common distortions. Uh, first, the belief that God is impersonal and not communicative, that he's just not con- communicative. Either thinking God doesn't or won't speak to me. This is usually shaped by past experiences, maybe through a divorce, maybe through a death of a loved one or something. Isaiah 30, 20 and 21 reads like this, your teacher will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your eyes will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. He says, it's not true if you think that. Look at Psalm 80, or 48, 14. It says, for such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. So we've got to start saying, okay, my belief of God is such that I can't believe he'd ever speak to me. And we have to say, no, I'm not going to buy that. God says he wants to speak to me. He will speak to me. And so we have to deal with that issue and say, God, help me in my disbelief. Because you are a God who is personal and you do communicate. And secondly, you'll see in the outline, God, though personal and communicative, is uninterested in me. There's another distortion of the truth of God. We tend to find ourselves saying, I don't believe God is personal and communicative because of past experiences. But when we start saying, oh, I think he is, he's just not interested in me. Now we're dealing with issues of self-esteem. Look what it says in Isaiah 30, 18, the beginning of the verse says, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. So any of you here that are thinking, I just don't believe God cares for me enough, just take it as a lie and say, God, don't let me even think that thought. You're a God who does want to speak to me and you will do so. Number three and finally, distractions. Audio experts, audio experts have told us that uh, to hear with maximum efficiency, we must have two things. We have to have positive focusing and we have to have negative filtering, all right? Uh, Let me illustrate very simply. When we had babies, little kids, and they get up during the night and scream and all this stuff, maybe time for feeding and they're making all kinds of noises. I had learned the beautiful art of negative filtering. I, for some reason, would never hear a baby cry. Carol, on the other hand, had the ability to positively focus. And at the first whimper, she's up, she's there. How does that work? Oh, it's not just because, well, we're just different people. No, it's an art that we both learned. (laughs) Now, I have traditionally gotten up earlier than Carol wakes up in the morning. The only way I wake up is by alarm. I do not wake, I could sleep maybe forever, I don't know, but I have to have an alarm. 
So I set my alarm much earlier, typically, or a little bit earlier for sure than Carol on a day-to-day basis, and she has learned the art of negative filtering. I always feel bad. I hit the alarm as quick as I can. I say, I'm sorry. When she gets up, I I didn't hear it. It was fine. Really? How did you know? I hear it. Well, I have mastered the art of literally positively focusing on that alarm. When it goes off, I know I need to get up. I need to answer quickly because I don't want to get her awakened. And so I hit it very quickly. How does that work? It's not just natural. That's the way. We've learned how to do that. And folks, that's what you and I have got to do when it comes to hearing God. We've got to learn to positively focus, but we have to learn to negatively filter out other noises. Let me suggest two that are critical distractions that we've got to be careful of. Neither are wrong, but they're both dangerous. The first is prosperity. Call it affluence, whatever you want to call it. Nothing wrong with it, but it can keep us from hearing God. Without a question, the more toys we have, the more time we can purchase, the more abilities that we can have to do more, to have more, it's so easy just to get so surrounded with all of these things that, let me tell you, we don't hear God. We're too busy, which is actually the second thing we'll look at, busyness. It's very closely tied into affluence for many of us. But the idea of affluence, boy, you got to be careful. I, I love the way uh, Carlisle, uh, Thomas Carlyle writes. He talks about the adversity being the best between uh, prosperity and adversity. He says, adversity is hard on a man, but for one man who can stand prosperity, there are a hundred that will stand adversity. Very true. And let me tell you, for a person in adversity, it's amazing how they tend to hear God person of affluence, it's amazing how difficult it is to hear God if we're not careful. I like the way Chuck Swindoll talks about the idea of affluence. He says, the swift wind of prosperity is a lot more devastating than the sudden jolt of misfortune. It's harder to walk on a high wire in calm weather than to stand on the ground in a storm. Height has a strange way of disturbing one's balance. So true. Watch out for prosperity. It's not wrong. We're all prosperous people. There's a blessing of prosperity that God will put upon us, but at the same time, he says, it comes with a warning label. Be careful. So if you are considered a prosperous person, you have an abundance, you're going to have to fight like crazy to be able to hear God because there'll be a lot of other noises that you have around you perhaps and that I have around me that other people may not have. So we got to be careful. The other I mentioned, busyness. Not wrong, but can rob people from hearing God. We're an overcommitted people. Man, we've got to desire to hear God in order to hear him. Look at at Isaiah 30, 18. The end of the verse says, How blessed are those who long for him. Do you know what that word long means? It means to wait. How blessed are those who wait on God. And that's what we have to do. Jesus did it, and we've got to do it. Carol and I were just talking this morning about the iPhone. That was last night, I'm sorry. We were talking about the iPhone. 
And we were just talking about this whole issue. And he said, isn't it interesting how you can get on a phone or get on your computer or whatever, and you just want to look on Facebook and just check it out. And how that can turn into 10 and 15 and 30 minutes. Have you ever noticed how you can find an app that gives you certain things you enjoy reading and next thing you know, you're tied up forever? I was sharing with her, I said, you know what I've done? I've, I've come to the place that I say, and I'm not as tempted as some because I'm not into the, some of the electronic stuff that some are, and particularly younger generation, I know. But I said, you know what I do? I say, you know what? I'm going to have my time to listen to God first before I look on my apps. I want to spend time doing that. And then if I have any time left over, then I'll check and look at some things that I want to look at. That's been a great blessing to me. But I'm going to say this, folks, as we close. Let's take this thing seriously. It's worth hearing from God. And some of us know the issues of disobedience, doing it our way, some idols that we're just hanging on to. God said, get rid of them. Be careful for your affluence. Be careful in your business. But say, God, I want to hear you. I summarize it with these three words. Put them up and we close. One, believe God. When you think that you hear God saying something, you listen and believe what he has to say. Number two, be quiet. Spend time that you've not been spending. Put time alone and say, God, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to listen to you. Just put time into your schedule to do that. And number three, then obey God. Even when you want to go the opposite way, say, all right, I know the truth, and I'm going to let it set me free, and just start charging after that you, which you do not want, but know God wants for you. And trust me, don't trust me, trust God. You're going to find a better way of life. You'll be a happier person, and God will be more glorified. As we pray together, let's pray. Father in heaven, I use this as just a, a reminder as we think of the people of Israel how the story is still the same today. Particularly in this area of disobedience, God, speak to our hearts where we're wanting to do it our way instead of your way. Father, give us that which is good. You love us and you want to do that. Change our view of you if it's wrong. Let us understand how much compassion and love our creator God has for us and what you want to give us. So grant that, we pray, and we give you thanks. In the great name of Christ our Savior, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.